Welcome to the Absite Smackdown Podcast. We'll talk clinical scenarios, Absite facts, and interesting general surgery knowledge. Now, let's get to it. Hey guys, it's me, Jess, your host of Absite Smackdown Podcast. With me, my two favorite gentlemen, Dr. David Kashmir and Dr. Colton Lee. Hello, fellas. Jessica, Colton, hi. It's nice to be back with you guys again today. It's nice to see the two of you. Always a pleasure. Wearing another good scrub cap. He always has the good scrub caps. Have you noticed this, Dr. K? I have. Uh, this one's good. It definitely says Vegas on it uh, for sure. And then I remember the uh, Golden Girls one. Yeah. That was hysterical. That was an all-time I have favorite. a couple more coming down the pipeline that I'm very excited about. <laughs> Stay tuned. We should have an episode funny. of Dr. Lee's scrub caps. Okay, but no, why we're here today is we've we've had a lot of episodes lately about match and about coming into the residency and all that stuff, but um, we're here for upside. That's what we do. And I think a lot of people coming into surgery, like they've heard it whispered in dark corners about the upside, but do they even really know what it is and why it matters? And so that's what today's episode is going to be about. What is the upside? What does it mean? Why do we do it? Why should you be scared or not scared? You know? <laughs> So. Well, uh, Jessica, I want to share uh, just how clueless I was about the website. Uh, I tend to do this a lot because part of my goal in putting some of this stuff together and then uh, being fortunate enough to have you guys help me, part of my goal with that was to prevent people uh, from kind of running headlong into the breach like I did. Uh, I didn't really know. I knew there was a yearly in-service exam, sort of, but I was really woefully unprepared. So although this episode has a lot of kind of facts behind it, uh, maybe basics to some for what the website is. I think back to how little I knew and understood about what it was. And I'll share that the medical students coming out of the school uh, where I teach, uh, also, whether they're going into surgery or not, but especially if they're going into surgery, are not clearly told often about what the website is. So as straightforward of an episode as this is today, I think it's really important. I agree. I remember taking the AppSite for the first time as an intern. And even though I thought I had prepared for it, I walked out of the room or actually while I was in the room, I was thinking to myself, what is happening to me right now? <laughs> what did I sign up for? Um, it worked out in the end, but it just was an awful experience because I didn't know what I was really walking into. Do you think that we're not, I mean, is it just something that we're not talking about? What is it? What happens to these poor first years? Well, I'll tell you, I think there was my two cents is there was a knowledge gap and we weren't talking about it. And at least at the school that I'm at uh, now and when I was a program director, the students I saw come in and become young residents, they really hadn't heard much about it for the most part. So I don't think it's just a where I am now thing. I think it's in part sort of a rite of passage almost that the first time you don't really uh, know as much as you could. But I think it's something that's not talked about much. And again, uh, that's why I'm so uh, interested in uh, doing this episode when we talk about it, because I think it's key and I think it's under discussed. Okay, well, we're here. So let's talk about why the AppSite exists, like what brought it into fruition. So Dr. K, you were a program director. Why do we have an AppSite? Well, originally, uh, the story goes that it was for the program directors, and it still is, uh, to be able to assess their educational program. It gives you a sense of how well the core knowledge of a general surgeon is transmitted to uh, this generation as they come up uh, through the program. 
And although its intent is for us as program, uh, me as an ex-program director, but program directors to be able to assess their program, it seems to get attached to the individual resident. Now, it's not supposed to be a promotion criterion. It's not supposed to be used to decide whether a resident goes to the next year. But de facto, every meeting I've gone to and participated in and kind of led or been involved otherwise, it comes up, how do the resident do on their absite? There's a lot of head shaking if they didn't do so well. Uh, and, you know, it, it really, in many places, does not make us sort of turn inward as program directors and say, oh, I'm pro- what is my program lacking that this really bright student who went through medical school got to me now they didn't do so well. What's my program lacking? That that step doesn't happen often. What typically happens more is the heck is wrong with that resident and uh, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. And I'm just being direct. Now, again, that's not the intent of it. It's probably not how it should be used, but that's what I've seen across programs. And so to help prevent that experience of a low score the first time around, uh, that's kind of why we do this. I think we can do better for our future colleagues, and I think we can talk about it. And that's kind of the history on it, broadly speaking. So, Dr. Lee, what's your experience on being the other side, being the resident coming in, on how you feel about taking it, how you feel its purpose? So, yeah, from a resident perspective, I think that the app site is important, uh, particularly if you want to apply for a fellowship. I always kind of use the word like objective data because that's what the goal of surgery education is right now is to find objective data to prove that people are competent to graduate. Um, and unfortunately, the app site is one of the primary ways that we're able to judge residents, uh, regardless of whether it's valid or not. Um, it's important for promotion, even though it's not intended to be, uh, but it does give one more data point to say, oh, this is a good resident. Um, the app site Smackdown podcast is going live. Reserve your seat for our upcoming live app site review conference. Can't travel? On call? No problem. This online conference is recorded so you can catch up anytime. Reserve your spot by visiting us at AppSiteSmackdown.com and selecting Latest News for more information. Um, and it's also important because if you don't do well on the app site, a lot of programs have what are called remediation policies. And so if you're below a certain percentile or don't get above a certain percent correct uh, for each year, you may be put on a remediation policy, um, which each program is different um, and each program has different requirements um, just to make sure that you're not in danger of failing your boards when you finish. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of studies. Sorry, go ahead, Dr. K. Well, I just wanted to pick up on a couple of things Colton said first, uh, you know, and he said this in another episode we did, he has a very self-reliant approach to things. Meaning he said, I know it's really not supposed to be a criteria for promotion. It's not. I know it's really supposed to tell us about our program. But as he said in another episode and is kind of building up to now, I think he looks at it like I can study and do better. I can focus and learn and improve. And I think that's the right attitude to have about it. Uh, Like I said, the last time he mentioned it, uh, and I continue to agree with him. And I'll I'll also share uh, that we talked just briefly now, as, as Colton was kind of going through it, about uh, just how important it is to have sort of objective data for competency. Everyone's looking in the world of surgical education for what can we say that, uh, how can we say that the staff finishing are competent? Not just doing a million cases, and that's tougher now with the 80 hours, not just having done a lot, but having trained a competency. And the AbSite provides a measure of uh, student growth every year, resident growth, 
It provides a number which people really uh, take to heart because, hey, it's typed on a piece of paper. And the last thing, Jess, before I get be quiet about it, is that the website uh, is does correlate uh, with how you perform on your qualifying exam. Uh, if you score, and there's evidence, about 30 percentile or less at any point in your residency, any year, including that first year when you're not always well-prepared, if you score anything less than that in your years of prep, you're at an increased risk statistically of not passing your written boards. Now, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's the end of the world and you're definitely going to fail your boards if you had a low website score, but it increases the probability of not passing by about 20 or 30%. And it's statistically significant. So like Colton said, programs will use it to then place you on a remediation or probation policy. Uh, and go from there. And that is shown in a lot of different evidence uh, to um, promote uh, then passing. And uh, unfortunately, some of it is fear of failure instilled in the resident uh, in some studies that makes them then go on to pass. And I, it's hard for me because I'd rather not manage by fear. I think that there's some other better ways we could do that for learners. But in some ways, that's where it's gone sometimes. So those are the headlines just to pick up on what Colton said. I mean, you said exactly what I was going to say, the previous studies where it says there's correlation between your boards. And so you, you took the words right out of my mouth, but something else that he said that I wanted to touch on um, when we were talking about all the different years and what you just said about even first years, well, score curriculum is five years, correct? And then first year is coming in. You're not going to get all of that in one year, but you still have to take your website. So that's where we... And other people come in to help with that. Am I wrong? You know best, obviously. Yeah, definitely. It helps to uh, kind of be on a plan from day one uh, and to kind of plan out a test taking strategy and use resources um, like SCORE. Nothing replaces SCORE questions, but uh, also things like AppSite, SmackDown. Um, and depending on your learning type and your type of your style of learning, uh, you may benefit from different types of studying, uh, whether it be podcast, whether it be reading, different things like that, um, which is something we touch on often. Mm-hmm. What kind of learner are you? <laughs> I think I so you said before we were beginning that uh, surely everyone knows what type of learner uh, they are. And <laughs> I told you, we, you'd be surprised because I don't think I figured it out until I was a uh, fourth year medical student, honestly. <laughs> um, well, but I figured it out. I'm a mixed type learner, so I benefit from uh, auditory, um, from listening, uh, as well as from visual mm-hmm. and some kinetics as well. So it's just a little bit of everything. And it's my, my main thing is repetition. Yeah. Dr. K, are you mixed or do you have one in particular? Uh, I tend to be auditory, which is pretty unusual for uh, surgery, um, but I also have uh, uh, kinesthetic uh, and visual, but mostly auditory. And I think just like Colton said, a lot of the staff who would come to us uh, in residence, uh, first year residents did not know uh, which of the, some say four styles there are, and there are different classifications, but we would give them kind of an inventory as part of their boot camp to kind of help them learn themselves. Mm-hmm. And as Colton said, you know, uh, a broad classification includes auditory, kinesthetic, um, uh, visual, and then kind of mixed, although there are different classifications. Uh, and it's super useful to know. And I think uh, Jessica and Colton, we've discussed before uh, the, 
Jessica, I think uh, your staff or the staff at the uh, publishers put together like a PDF that you have on the website that lists the different resources by audio and video, et cetera. A lot of the free resources from around the web. So I think that's pretty useful because it broke it up kind of by learning style. So like Colton said, you can find the podcast that matches you, uh, the book that matches you, you know, whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. You have to write it out. If you have to color it out. <laughs> it definitely helps for some people. Yeah. It just depends on what you are. As far as the test itself, Dr. K, I know that you had some information about the, uh, the length of it. I believe it's, I, I personally black out after every uh, website exam uh, and repress the memories as much as possible. Um, but if I remember correctly, I believe it's 250 questions in five hours, correct? Yeah, about that. Uh, some of the questions, though, are sort of test. Um, how can I say it? Questions under evaluation. Uh, we always used to say, don't try to figure out which ones those were. Uh, most people didn't use the whole time. Uh, there's a computer interface. And in uh, the website SmackDown, uh, we included some links, as you guys know, in the first chapter or not the first, but the chapter called Facts About the Absite. It's got some links in it that will take you to a mock-up of the interface. Those were still active last I looked. Uh, and you can try uh, via the internet if you haven't seen this particular computer interface. It's pretty simple, um, but it takes you to that to see it so you're not surprised uh, when you get to the test. And just like you said, Colton, yeah, it's uh, you have usually ample time to take the test. Uh, and as Jessica, as you said, the content of it is really the challenge for the early years because uh, they haven't had the whole score curriculum or even close. So something to make it more familiar is uh, pretty useful up front. And I don't think I realized when I was first beginning that the areas of content are weighted differently. So you may only have a few questions on pediatrics, uh, but you'll have a whole bunch of questions on abdominal pathology. And there's actually a breakdown that is provided by the American Board of Surgery, which kind of tells you those things and where you could spend more time and where there are more Mm -hmm. questions. Well, you're exactly right. That's another link in that same chapter, Facts About the Absite. Uh, you guys put it in there, which I think was great. The thing about that, though, Colton, is it cuts both ways. The absite is very tightly packed as a curve. The variation amongst test takers is pretty narrow. So even though there are only a few questions on, I don't know, transplant one year, they're difference makers because the bulk of people get you know, a lot of questions. These are really smart people and they're really dedicated. So just a few questions in either direction really changes the percentile score. So it's one of those tests where it's, um, I wouldn't say worth studying the arcane, you know what I mean? I don't know that you need to light candles, be in a dungeon, find some old book with magic stuff in it, but it's really important to study things that are also those narrow fields. Uh, My understanding was the last round had a bunch of transplant stuff about it. Uh, or at least several questions on transplant stuff, I think uh, Rhonda told us. And you can't share test questions. It's uh, not only unethical, but the uh, board really looks at programs to evaluate whether people are sharing answers across time zones, et cetera. But you do get a sense after the test sometimes about what some of the more arcane subjects uh, were on the test. And uh, my understanding is just, a, as usual, a couple questions on the last round made a big difference. 
The Absite Smackdown podcast is based on the best-selling review book, Absite Smackdown. The only Absite review with an entire video review course included. Visit AbsiteSmackdown.com and pick it up today. A couple other just rapid-fire things about my experience that I didn't really understand when we were starting, um, but... So the app site itself, for anyone that's listening now or maybe listening uh, right before they take their test, if they're going back on the podcast, it's like we said, a 250 question test uh, across five hours. There's a span of like two or three weeks where programs can take it um, and each program picks their own day. And your experience may be different, but for me personally, every time I've taken it, it's in a room uh, with computers that are provided to us uh, and they kind of space this out. You have assigned seating typically. Um, and you can, you have this set amount of time and you can pause it anytime you want to go to the bathroom or to get a snack or something like that. Usually the program, or at least in my experience, programs have provided snacks for you. Um, but I do encourage everyone to go and pick up some stuff and just have it like a, a Coke or a monster energy or whatever your, your, uh, your favorite deadly sin is, uh, to go and, and grab whenever you're taking a break. Um, and then you just kind of chug through the questions and plan your time out uh, as best you can. Yeah. There's usually also a survey at the very end that's very helpful to uh, to evaluate kind of how the residents in each program are doing um, and lets the program know if there's anything they need to be concerned about. My understanding is that it's completely anonymous. Um, and so usually that we get like kind of a rundown of that afterwards and, and they address any concerns. Yeah, and under the heading of what not to do, like I kind of usually do, uh, I remember uh, kind of micro-sleeping my first way through the app site. And it was only after that I learned, and it totally makes sense, there's literature about not being on call before the app site. There are several studies, and you can check these out uh, via PubMed, that say if you're on call the night before the app site, you're probably going to do worse. Some programs are nice enough to have attending staff only on call the night before the absite. Many are not like that. Uh, and there's also evidence that if you take a vacation, if you time your vacation before the absite, now that probably means you're going to be studying through some of your vacation, but um, taking your vacation before the absite also significantly correlates with performance. So to all the staff out there who are starting Get a sense of when the website's going to be. Your program often has a calendar already. And just try to make sure you can do what you can do to kind of be as recovered as possible. Uh, don't do the micro-sleep thing, uh, taking uh, the test. It gives predictably bad results. Well, also, if you are new to us and in this program, you can go back on our website. We had blogs about all of the things Dr. K just talked about, um, you know, strategies, what to do, what not to do. We probably even have it on previous episodes. You can find it. You can look back. We're a wealth of information on what not to do and what to do. That's kind of our specialty. So yeah, don't be on call. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say that the vacation thing was my number one tip to do well on the app site. I hope it doesn't get out because we can't all take vacation yeah. a week. Um, but <laughs> I've noticed the years that I've taken a vacation before the app site uh, that I did a lot better because I was able to kind of buckle down and, and knock out some of those high yield things that you just have to memorize every year. It's not everything that you memorize. You should be, you shouldn't cram right before your test, but there's just some things that I cannot remember that I have to memorize the week before the exam. Yeah. I think we talked about that. You have like, See, you're really good at that 
I, I read something where it said most people study what they are best at. They almost cherry pick. Whereas you go back and you know the things that you're lacking or what you're not strong on and you go and study those specifically. That is a really good strategy that people talk about all the time, but apparently it's not something people are doing. People tend to, when they study, lean towards the things they either like or think they're already good at and you need to do the opposite. So it's a great point. You do it the right way. So... I mean, we talk about it all the time on this podcast. There's that uh, fancy effect, the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is illusory. It's called illusory superiority, which means the people who are often the least effective learners think they know the most or are the best. And uh, to try to get by that, uh, that's where sort of coaching comes in. Like um, Colton talked about last time, find yourself a mentor and uh, beyond that, getting coaching definitely go on to take a practice test maybe before you dive in to your absite review. Take something diagnostic to say, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was at thyroid or hmm, that pediatric surgery. really don't know what the left umbilical vein becomes, you know, these kinds of things. Um, really super useful and gets you out of your own head because like you said, you like what you like for a reason. You like to study what makes you feel good not uh, what makes uh, you feel like you don't really know that much. And and that's really what we need to study. So I think you're spot on with uh, steering people that way. The Absite Smackdown podcast. Visit the Smackdown at AbsiteSmackdown.com. I love just the dynamic between having, you know, old school versus new school. It gives both perspectives. I love having you guys on here, but I'm also kind of excited. It would be nice to get a first year in here, see their perspective. Cause you know, we talk about it and even you said, Dr. Lee, you kind of try and block that out now <laughs> because you're past it. So yeah, and the further I get along. And interesting. <laughs> yeah, the further I get along, the more I am uh, kind of disconnected from what it feels like to be an intern, even though I've only been at it four or five years. I feel like I'm becoming the old school now. Well, just wait. Then see, that's I think that's Dr. K's goal. He he, you know, he wants to just replace himself slowly. Always. So eventually you'll not be- just in this, always <laughs> just fade into the background. Just let's fade, fade away. He's trying to make you sensei, I guess. That's that's it. Soon you will no longer be student, you'll be sensei. I mean, this is the path of all things. You know, look, hey, I I don't mean to reference Kung Fu Panda on a surgical podcast, but that old turtle guy, he fades away. This is how it is. You know, this is how it is. Obi-Wan Kenobi fades away into the background. Just basically, like I said, force ghost. Eventually, I'll just check in. I'll wave at you guys in the background, maybe do something like that. Make a little icon out of me, put it in the corner. That's the goal. So and, and Colton's halfway there, at least. So things are going well. Things are going well. Okay. We'll just make you a little avatar that eventually pops up or whatever. Perfect. You just don't Perfect. really seem like a background player to me, but I may be biased after all these years working with you. So, all right, guys, as always, it's a pleasure having you on. Can't wait to see you again. Thanks for tuning in and we can answer all your website questions and don't forget, or maybe you're new, so you wouldn't even know, but hashtag website Smackdown. Get more AppSite content in your daily routine. Visit us on Instagram at daily.appsite.fact, on Facebook at AppSite Smackdown, or LinkedIn at AppSite Smackdown. And you can catch the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or any place you listen to your favorites. Don't forget our YouTube channel, AppSite Smackdown.